Hi, everyone. This is Dawn Richard, also known as The Awakening with Dawn, and this is the Wake Up to Real Love podcast, where we share stories of struggles and triumphs in love, sex, and relationships, along with expert advice to create more conscious connections. I am super honored and excited today. I have my podcast team leader, Joel Ingram, with me. Woohoo! Welcome, Joel. <laughs> Thank you, Dawn. <laughs> Um, Joel is a great, great man. He's a husband and father in pursuit of the fulfillment of his own true potential. He's a midlife shift coach, having gone through a midlife crisis himself a few years back, which you're not even old enough to have a midlife crisis in my opinion, but we'll, we'll talk more about that. Um, he had the sense of being lost and aware that his time was running out, wanting to create a life to remember for his children was overwhelming and it helped push him to, to help others in a similar position. So Joel has this amazing podcast called Crisis to Crushing It, which he hopes will increase perspective, expand perception, and allow people to change their reality. He feels very strongly about people restricting themselves with the stories in their heads. And for him, the first hurdle was mental and it crossed over to all the areas of his life. He doesn't have it all figured out. None of us do. We're all works in progress, right? Um, but he's passionate about helping people overcome their limitations. And so I know we're going to have just an amazing conversation. Welcome, Joel Ingram. Joel, thank you very much. I can see why you do the introduction now. It makes you feel, it makes you feel special. <laughs> it makes you feel special, right? No, no. Yeah, me. Yeah. Makes, yeah. 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 Yeah, it's nice. Now, so somebody else, uh, I mean, even though you, you share with me what you want to share, but it's like really listening to, wow, I've done all that. I, I did that. Wow, that's kind of cool. Yeah. yeah. I, mean, I don't think I've ever had it read back like that. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's all different. Yeah. Well, thank you, Don. That was lovely. Yeah. Well, you are lovely, and I'm so glad that you're here. And um, I'm going to grill you today. <laughs> Don't know because you know I'm already nervous anyway. <laughs> I promise you won't be nervous at the end. Most everybody says, you know, it's it's chill. You know me. You you've seen me twice a week for the last two months. Like I'm chill, you. right? I got your vibe. I know it. <laughs> I got your vibe too. That's why I want you on here. <laughs> um, first, I want to ask you about. You, you're the pictures that I've seen of your family. You guys look like you have so much fun surfing, fishing, bike riding. Like, are you, are you like poster children for the outdoorsmen? <laughs> no, oddly enough, that's, that's come about of trying to capture memories and instances where we can sort of reinforce that's what we want from life. Uh, uh-huh. um, so as, as much as we would love it to be every day, you know, or more regular. Uh-huh. Yeah, like those precious moments where you're not in work, you're not, you're not doing the mundane. There's no washing, no whining to be done, and, you, and you've actually made time to go out and do something together. Mm-hmm. So it's about capturing those moments uh, for future. And so, what what do you think your kids like to do the most? They like to climb, which is an, uh, one we've been dabbling. We dabbled with it in the past, but we sort of went away from it because our, our youngest. Um, he wouldn't really last long at the center um, to embolden him. How old are your kids again? So we got uh, Roman seven, Anna is thirteen, and Kenzie's fourteen. Uh huh. Um, so me and the wife love climbing. Kids love climbing. But obviously, this. And you're not was... you're not talking about a jungle gym. No, no. This is like <laughs> bouldering. Have you ever heard of bouldering? Yes. I've only so I've only done it once. It's very challenging. Yeah, but it's it's yes, yeah. I, I, that's what I like about it, and the kids like about it. We actually went on the weekend, just gone, and uh, my wife and myself are doing moves that we couldn't do like two years ago because we really were big. <laughs> because really? We was, cause we, oh yeah, yeah. But like not nothing fancy moves, but just being able to go from one hole to the other and keeping your core close to the wall whereas before you didn't really have a core <laughs> so, your core is somewhere in the middle of that big apple huh <laughs> yeah that, that was me um but yeah and uh 
the it got to the point where we were doing so we challenge each other to do a route and Kenzie would be like, Oh, right, he said, I'm not letting you beat me. But I thought he was on about me, but he was on about my wife. Ah. So if my, my wife does something, he's got to make sure he, he, he can do it or better. Just because he doesn't want to beat a girl? Well, I don't know. Is this something we need to dig into? Uh, uh-huh. You know? I think, they, yeah. And I don't know where that's come from. That's odd. So. Huh. But you and your wife, you and your wife climbed. How, how long have you been climbing for? Uh, literally, we just we started this. Must have been nine years ago, uh-huh. so before Roman. Uh-huh. And then we we were up, we were doing it up until Roman was born, and then it sort of petered off when he was born. And so then we're just getting back into it. Probably the last three weeks, four, uh-huh. four weeks. Uh-huh. But, um, but it's a conscious effort to go and make the time to go. You know. What what do you like about climbing? Like, what does it teach you? What has it taught you about the mountain or yourself or what? Um, the, the where we tra- where we go to train or do the bouldering. Uh-huh. I I like the the physical challenge of seeing how much better I am from last time. Uh-huh. The things that you present when you present yourself with a problem, you only deal with it in that moment the best way you can, and then mm-hmm. you come back fresh eyes and you see something that wasn't there before mm-hmm. or you've just suddenly got a new idea about the tackle it. Mm-hmm. And that, that aspect for me carries over into a lot of different things. Mm-hmm. So um, determination, not giving up. Mm-hmm. I've always classed myself maybe as somebody that's not very determined. Not very determined. Yeah. Because, uh, because why, why were you not determined before? I couldn't tell you why I wasn't determined. I don't know if it was the, the like when you set yourself goals and then you sort of, you start out, so it's like you wanted to lose weight and you say, you're like, right, I'm going to do this. And then you do it and then you get sidetracked. And then next thing you know, you're so far off course. Mm-hmm. It's just like too much of an effort to swing back and start again. So you start again and then you repeatedly lay yourself down. So I think it was more of, letting myself down repeatedly, which probably bred the fact that I I wasn't or didn't view myself as, you know, consistently, I've forgotten the word I used initially now, you know, someone that's driven enough to achieve. Mm-hmm. Like, like self-motivated or? Yeah. I, and I still self-motivated, self-esteem, self-worth. I think it, it's all rolled up in one bundle for me. Well, <laughs> it was. And and prob- probably um, when you sort of get in that cycle of failing, which which I heard I heard you said that your kid, your nine when he was nine, said failing is first attempt in learning. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's that's really brilliant and beautiful. Yeah, like yeah, did, he opened my eyes. <laughs> yeah, did he learn that at school? Yeah, <laughs> they need they need to they need to say that always because kids get so discouraged and, you know, feel ashamed. And, you know, when they're not quote unquote measuring up to other people's standards. Yeah. It's, you can say it. Yeah. I notice depending on his environment, where he's at, if he's gaming, uh-huh. it's suddenly like <laughs> that, that, extra, that, that will be almost be thrown out the, the window because he's not thinking he's in that emotional state, right. Right. You know, so, right, uh, and and then uh, so g- gaming is a big part of his life. He loves his gaming. But another thing I've noticed that they I've heard him phrase to people, oh blah blah blah. He's a he's a tryhard, and I said right. A, a tryhard is a derogatory term. Really? Yeah. I'm like, why? Why? Why on earth would you yeah. term that derogatory for trying hard? I said, what does that say? Imagine like how powerful words are. As, as opposed may... to not try at all. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I said, you, you can't tell me that all of these people on you are naturally brilliant at the game. Uh-huh. They, they, they've learned that uh-huh. through repetition, which right. means they have to try yes. consistently. Over and over <laughs> and over, harder and harder and harder. Yeah. But it just, I, and stuff like that just really cooks my head because I know how potent words are. Yeah. And then to frame something that's a real, to me, is a, like, the fact is a triad, I thought, yeah, yeah, 
bloody good on you too if you're going to try and try hard. Uh-huh. But then you're making it a negative. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, probably just me just trying to understand kids. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think, no, it's funny that you say that, Joel, because my, my kids um, basically like trash talk each other. You know, that's, mm. they say, oh, we love each other, but we trash talk each other. And I say, I say, you guys don't understand that your words carry energy. Mm. And if they're negative words, that's not carrying positive energy. And they're like, mom, they're just words. And I said, (laughs) no, they're really not. You know, everything carries an energy. So you need to be conscientious about what you say and how you say it. And um, because you don't, you know, you may think, oh, ha ha, it's a big joke, but it could really hurt somebody. Yeah. And you don't know. Yeah, I'm the same. They, Kenzie will do it more than the other two. But I think well, he's, he, he's at that age. Yeah, yeah. As a, and it's the, the boys he's bothering with online as well. You know, they've they got a yeah. banter going on. And yeah. they, real, they smash each other up. Like yeah. Banter. yeah. But he does it, sometimes he'll carry it over into the house. And there's, mm-hmm. I, neither my wife or I will, you know, we don't stand for that really. Mm-hmm. And then you've got my daughter then, who can be very, very cutting. Mm-hmm. She can say stuff. But she says it like an adult. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? And you just think, and, I, and we've had to pull her on that as well. Like they, they, they don't, they're aware because we tell them, but they haven't taken it on board of how uh-huh. impactful words are. Uh-huh. You know? I think, I think that takes a while. And, and even, you know what, Joel, even some adults don't have that awareness either. Oh, no, no. I'm only coming to this the last three years, Don, three, four years. Mm-hmm. That's, you know, before that, I was like not understanding at all. So you want to you start talking about that? Because I know you've had, uh, you've had a lot of struggles. <laughs> yeah, yeah, different struggles. Uh, probably, it all started for me probably about three to four years ago, I'd say. Um, suffering with... Um, depression cluster headaches mm-hmm. uh, and i and i think those were probably I, I i went to work with um some a local coach who was we call him a therapist but he's mm-hmm. not like in the in the sense of a therapist he's not he's sort of like a man with a toolbox mm-hmm. of, of techniques he uses mm-hmm. and uh he used to work at where i currently work which is and i'd seen his name up on the board a couple of times in work and i was like ah. Oh, going to work with him one day, going to work with him one day. And eventually then the situation got to the point where I was like, I need to do something because if this keeps on and I was aware I was miserable and I, like, it wasn't just miserable and fulfilled. It was like, this was like another level, like what's the point? Right. Like waking, <laughs> wake, like waking up and going, what's the reason for even getting out of bed? Yeah. Yeah. And that's even with kids in the picture. Mm. You know, wake up. Basically, there was a cycle. It was wake up, go to work, work on, come home, say hello to the kids, kiss them goodnight, go to bed. Mm. You know, rinse, repeat. And, and mm. it just turned into that sort of monotony. And I was doing something. I was, I was doing a job that didn't fill me. Um, mm. There was no there was no challenge, or not, at least not a challenge that I wanted there anyway. Mm-hmm. And uh, it just, it's very easy to get to a point in life when you've got commitments we are so far down this uh, trench or rabbit hole and you look around and you think, how the frigging hell did I get you? Yeah. You know, I've got, when I went to the doctor with the depression, he said, tell me about your day. And I said, well, I just said to you, I said, well, I wake up six o'clock, I go to work, quarter seven, finish about six in the evening, come home, food, wash, bed, same again. Mm-hmm. He said, tell me about your Tuesday. So I went to the week with him and he said, right, stop. He said, right, what do you do? I went, what do you mean? I, I go to work. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Or on the weekend, I'll do some DIY or whatever. He said, right. He said, I think you need to address this by looking at you first. This, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you, you are unwell. You've got two choices. Either I put you on Prozac mm-hmm. or I'll let, I'll let you run with it for three weeks and you come back and you tell me you've implemented something for you. Mm. 
and and the thing that I was trying to implement for me was training because I've always trained. Um, I've never been any in any real shape, but I've always like lifted or rugby or hockey or whatever. Mm-hmm. Just some activity. Yeah, something. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that's what I was, so I was trying to build the habit of going to the gym. But then the struggle that I came up against then was if I if I finish at three o'clock, I don't do my overtime. And then I, I go to the gym. But while I'm at the gym, I'm away from the family. So that it's, it's, it's weird how your head works because it was okay to be a, away from my family between three and six, which was the overtime time. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't okay for me to be away from my family between three and half past four, which was my training time. To do something for yourself. Yeah. And, and we weren't talking every day. This is like two to three days a week. Right. And then after four, half past four, then home and, and the families, you know, this, and, and I, I don't know if I'd still have the problem now because I've shifted my training to the morning. I, I, I don't train in the evening. Mm-hmm. So I've sort of moved it to the morning to sort of avoid that problem. But it took a long time. And, and I'd say probably only the last year have I been willing to put myself and myself, my mental health, my physical health first in respect of making sure my cup is full. Yeah. Before I tried to film my families. Yeah, I think that's I think that's a really um, big challenge for many many parents because we're you know we have our responsibilities we have to take care of our family especially when they're young and they can't take care of themselves right so we are physically responsible for them right <clears throat> but for some reason we have needs too. But for some reason, we feel like we have to sacrifice ourselves in order to take care of everybody else. And it's like, if you're sacrificing who you are, what are you? What lesson are you teaching the kids? Yeah, that's that's uh, that's it exactly, isn't it? Because um, we've had me and the wife have had this conversation many times, and it's like we we. You, you know, when you go through life and you read a book and you bump into someone and you have a little like awakening and then you think, uh-huh. oh yeah, that's good. Uh-huh. But all these little things that have happened and we've got to the point where we sort of realize our habits and behaviors, the kids are seeing and they get yeah. a mirror. Yeah. I, I don't want to model. I didn't want to model. And this was part of the driver for me wanting my, the change in my life. Not wanting to lose my wife because if I had stayed the grumpy bastard I was. I would have lost my wife. I know I would have because she told me <laughs> after the, after the event. Uh, and then with that goes losing the kids mm-hmm. and also being aware I wasn't creating the relationships with my children, especially my eldest son that I initially imagined when I first had a son, mm-hmm. I sort of imagined there's some magical relationship where we sort of, you know, we did everything together. Mm-hmm. but the, the early years of working and overtiming and you know by the time you come home he's ready for a bath and bed and it, it, those that time is so precious but it goes by so quick yeah you know and it, it always reminds me of, of that cat stevens song is it cat stevens like the cats in the cradle do you know that song no um, it's basically about what you're talking about that <clears throat> it's from the voice of the son and, and his journey growing up saying, Hey dad, you know, come play ball with me. I'm too busy. I have to work. I have to do this. You know, we'll get together then. And it's his whole life. He's asking his dad to make time for him. And his dad constantly tells him no. And then he becomes an adult and his dad his dad's dying or I forget the exact, um, you know, the exact words of the song, but the, the whole point is, you know, you want whatever kind of relationship you want with your child, you have to create that. Yeah. You have to make different choices. And one of, one of the things like when you said this on, on, I can't remember which podcast you said it on, but um, it, it really hit me hard uh, because this is something that that I try to um, live my life by as well. It's 
is the person I am congruent with the person I want to be? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's Joel, Joel, I, I think that's brilliant. <laughs> I mean, really, really like deep, profound message for people, you know, because, because how do you, how, do, how did you wake up and decide the life that I'm living is not the life I want to be living? How did you do that? Um, look, looking back, I think it's just going off emotions. My, emo- my emotions led me there. Um, how? How? Explain. So it, when you're in a, you know, it's talking about that rabbit hole or yeah. deep hole that you're in where you're yeah. sort of waking up questioning why. And then, I mean, take that to the nth degree where you, you're wondering why and then you're wondering if everyone might be better off because a lot of our problems and issues are revolving on money. Mm-hmm. So what if I was out the equation, would there be more money? Do you know what I mean? Was, if I, if I, was, was this like, oh, maybe they'll get insurance and they'll be better off? Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. I mean, uh-huh. that, that, that certainly crossed my mind. Like, you know, I've, I've, I've been in a, and had those dark enough thoughts where they would be better off without me. My, my, my ex used to say that to me all the time. And I say, it doesn't matter how much money we have. You're, you know, if you're not here, that will impact the kids for their whole life. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Um, but then those, once those thoughts sort of passed, I didn't, I didn't focus on the, on the thoughts of, you know, of, of, of the action of the doing it. What, what overrode that was a feeling of my, ch- my children. My children overrode that thought mm-hmm. and, and my relationship with my wife to the point where it became so painful. Like in, 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 in my heart and in my head that there was no choice but to change because the option of losing the kids or my wife mm-hmm. was not an option. Mm-hmm. And when you so say when when you're in that dark dark enough place, and and you think, well, okay, either I do this or I do that, then for some reason I I did that. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? And I and I've lost and I've lost friends to suicide. You know, mm-hmm. same age. Wow. And you, and you just think, how, how 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 does someone get to that point and then make that choice rather than something else? Because you, they you, feel hopeless. Maybe. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. You know, it's it's it's, it's, it's an odd one, and it's and it's one. I, and I think that this this feeling, that, which is what I was going about the whole, is we we get ourselves into these situations because we're on autopilot. We're living on autopilot, right? We're surviving, lack of sleep with the children as they go. You know, and there's apparently there's chemical reactions that go on in the body when the mother becomes pregnant. I didn't know this. When the mother becomes pregnant the male's hormones change to, to a lesser de- of a degree of t- t- testosterone. So you really? become more female-like. Yeah. Really? For the, for the, for the, the mother and the baby to, you know, to bond. Like. Interesting. Now, I, I, can, I can connect you with the guy that told me this and he blew my head. He said, and this is where the, the when you're a father and you have a new baby, uh-huh. You tend to get like this, uh, you know, the, the belly comes and then you get the moves. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, <do you laughs> <know what> I mean, fan moves, moves. Tend to get this body, which is not masculine and it's not female. It's somewhere in between. Right. But that's because of what's going on inside. Because obviously, you can't have a part of you, you know, one of your cells in something else. That you're just willing to just say, oh, well, that's just one of mine. It's on some level you're connected. Wow. So, yeah, it sort of blew my mind with that. But then with that goes in, all the the, the emotional feelings, being being more emotional, (laughs) feeling more emotional, being more aware of Actually allowing yourself to be more sensitive, Joel Uh, Ingram. Yes, yes, indeed. (laughs) Well, as you know, Don, it's not uh, acceptable in society for men to show their emotions. That, you know? par- and it's- that, that paradigm is shifting, Joel. And it, yeah. and it only shifts 
when each man takes responsibility and shows up showing that to the world. Yeah, totally agree. And that's part of the message I feel strongly about. Uh-huh. I'm, willing, I'm willing to be the one that people laugh at and say, I oh, look at him, you know, whatever derogatory term they want to point at me and say, uh-huh. I'm willing to show them. I don't care. I'm, uh-huh. I'm getting about other people's opinions. <laughs> it's just, it's held me back for 41 years. It's not going to hold me back anymore. Yeah. So, well, and you don't want your son to grow up that way either. No, absolutely not. This is, comes back to then mirroring our actions. Uh-huh. You know, they say, see what would say, uh, you are what you repeatedly do. And if I, if I do that and he sees that, right. I don't want that for him. Right. No way do I want that for him. I want him to live a life where he's charged. Uh-huh. So I mean, he's, he's living a, a full life. Uh-huh. But he's he's ticking all of his boxes and he, he's he's jumping out of bed because he's like keen to get going and he can't wait for the day to start. You know, it's just being able to mirror it myself in a way, which is which which in a way in which I'm allowed to in my paradigm and my my own limitations, which I currently got, mm-hmm. which is still having to put food on the table, pay the mortgage, mm-hmm. and everything else. But I, I think, you know, I, this was one of the issues that I had with my ex because I knew he carried around a lot of sadness and hurt in him. And the way that he expressed it was through anger and sort of, you know, blaming and yelling and really not really managing his emotions in a, what I would consider a healthy and constructive way. And, uh, you know, that I, I had a really um, challenging time with my own boys to try and say, you know, to them, like, I don't want you to repeat that behavior because I see your dad suffering. You know, I want you to be able to figure out what's underneath all of the, you know, the, the outward expression is not often what's really going on inside. And, you know, if you can figure out how to get underneath that's what's going to be healing. That's what's going to help you um, feel more connected to yourself as well as feeling more connected to your partner, to your children, you know, and if you give yourself permission to express in that way, what a beautiful gift you're giving them to say your emotions matter. Yeah. Your emotions are valid. Which <laughs> is, for, to me, your, your emotions are signposts. They're, they're, they're critical, absolutely critical. Yeah. And then it just sort of bewilders me the fact that we got a, the macho, macho-ness, uh-huh. you know, of shoving it down inside. You know, uh-huh. don't, don't feel it. Uh-huh. Shove it down inside. Make yourself freaking ill. Give right. yourself like cluster migraines to the point where you're rocking in the corner and the kids are seeing you crying every day. Mm. Yeah, yeah, well done. Yeah, look, look at the life you just created through not being willing to express or it's not a mine was I wasn't willing to express my emotions because I didn't the only way I would have expressed them was not good so I mean I would have been the shouty person uh-huh. but everybody else would have known me as calm and everything else well and also didn't you say that you used to hide under this facade of oh fun and light hearted Joel yeah, yeah. So, yeah, that was during, yeah, that was probably about four to five years ago where I was a bigger version of me where you sort of, yeah, I was, I was, for example, I was putting away like 24 cans of Strongbow on a Friday and Saturday night, me and, me and, the, me and, the, and the wife. Wow. And then, you know, we're talking pizzas followed by like a big big pizza uh mm-hmm. each <laughs> then the next night would be because uh, you'd be hungover you'd wake up and you'd have a mcdonald's uh-huh. and then that wouldn't really do you so you'd maybe have some other piece of junk food in the meantime and then in the evening you'd have a chinese and then on a sunday you'd have a big cup dinner and then uh maybe a couple of glasses of wine or a couple more cans Mm-hmm. And then finish on another Chinese a couple of hours after that because you were still hungry, but you think you're still hungry, but really it's just the alcohol. Mm. It's I was, it was all wrapped up 
in insecure, in comfort eating, drinking, and suppression was mm-hmm. my way of coping, but not dealing with it. Right, Co- coping. I, I think that's the biggest thing. You know, people. Yeah. It's like people don't really understand that they should just feel their feelings. Like, what? Why is that such a bad thing to just feel your feelings? For, for me, and from some of the people I work with, uh-huh. I know that when you touch on a nerve with somebody, like a feeling, uh-huh. it get it, it. It's not just if I if I was to go back to say like feeling low. It's not just that feeling low. It's all the other thoughts of feeling low that go back through my lifetime. Mm-hmm. And, and Give me some examples of what's behind all that. Um, so behind all that is uh, size insecurity. So like, um, you know, being, being fat and overweight, uh-huh. um, not being able to wear the clothes I want to wear, uh-huh. not feeling that I'm at my best, not no, knowing I'm not, anywhere near my potential or what I could be. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm, I'm sort of half ass in life. Mm-hmm. And then Is there uh, a lot, a lot of shame. Yeah, I say shame, but you know, I, oddly enough yesterday, I can't remember what it was. Something triggered me. It might, it might even be new actually after the, after the call. <laughs> I but tend to trigger was, people, Joel. <laughs> Sorry. Something, it's all good. Something was mentioned. I'm like, and I, and I started thinking about what, uh, I was it? So guilt come up uh-huh. and I started the just random thought guilt just popped in my head uh-huh. and I was, and I started thinking, I thought, well, what if I'm trying to achieve something, what is holding me back? And if, if, cause guilt and shame are the lowest vibrations. Mm-hmm. So if I'm resonating on some level with guilt and shame, I can never be the upper levels because I'm always dragged down by the lowest anchor. Uh-huh. But I just started like playing with stuff in my head. I was like, yeah. And it, it was elements of shame, but the the biggest thing that came over for me was guilt. And I'm still digging into guilt around what? Mm. And I think it's around loving myself. If I was going to be completely honest, it's, guilt that I didn't allow myself to be the person I could. And there's all this time has gone past mm-hmm. and I'm okay. I'm there now and I am the sum of my experiences and I'm a lot wiser for them. Mm-hmm. But looking back, it feels like, you know, I could have done so much more and maybe helped so many more people if I had been me 20 years ago. <laughs> do, do you think some of that relates to what you were talking about the other day of the things that you really were interested in, but that you really weren't allowed to pursue? Oh yeah. 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 I was so, yeah, definitely. Um, I've, I've always been into, um, uh, what's the word? Alternative Cre- ways of thinking. Create, creative. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. Create. Yeah. Create. Yeah. Being being creative, but that goes right way back to school. Uh-huh. I mean, it was encouraged in school, in primary, not so much in comp, uh-huh. but certainly, uh, like my mother was supportive. Like I was, I was, I was sort of asked questions around cooking and, and other bits and bobs. And I do sewing and crocheting and finger knitting and all sorts of different stuff. Uh-huh. Um, but then when you at school and then you're going, you're, you're, you're showing interest and you know, doing well in these subjects of cooking, of needlework, of this and of that. Uh-huh. And then you've got somebody who's in charge of your education can turn around and say, well, what you, you know, what, when you come to make your choices, because the first two years were comprehensive it, when I was in school, they sort of exposed you to a lot of different stuff. Mm-hmm. And then you sort of honed down the direction you wanted to go. And then, the person that's in charge of helping you define your future mm-hmm. has not got, is not being open enough with the question of, okay, so how are you going to combine needlework, uh, cooking, art, and all those creative things to make a living for yourself? Mm-hmm. Their response was, 
oh, great. Well, you're going to be a teacher. Now, a teacher is a really responsible role, mm-hmm. but not the way she said it, mm. you know? So if she'd have framed it, maybe the, 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 using her words more eloquently mm-hmm. and maybe put a different, you know, inflection on them, I maybe right. would have seen it as a positive, you know? Right. Like, oh my gosh, look at how, how many great things that you could teach other people. Yeah. Yeah. Now I, I could have taken on a completely different direction. Yeah. yeah. Or if I'd have had someone say to me, okay, so how might you, so if you was going to take this to the nth degree, what might you do with those skills that you're using and combine them, you know, to make a living or make money. Uh-huh. But that, that was never proposed. And I think that's what I, I, I then diverged, but not just a little bit. I went the other way. So I went very mechanical, electrical, woodwork i was into woodwork as well uh-huh. but for me it just felt like the other direction mm. because that's the response warranted a different direction mm-hmm. you know and that's because that. you had to fit in a certain box that other people put you in yeah mm-hmm. and i was a boy mm-hmm. <laughs> boys don't do needlework they mm-hmm. don't do cooking well they do now they no, do now <laughs> Yeah, all the tally, but I mean, yeah, it's funny, isn't it? I mean, it's such a responsible role as a teacher, mm-hmm. and they they do get a lot of grief, but it's like you don't they don't realize. I I, I was had this discussion with somebody the other day, actually, can't remember who it was, and we were we were saying that when when you have a chat with a teacher, does that person have ever been assessed for their ability to nurture? a child's natural talents Mm -hmm. versus trying to just fit him in a box because they need to somebody to work in a factory for the next 50 years to go and keep the rat wheel going. Like, you know what though, Joel, I would say a lot of parents don't even know how to do that. No, you know, a lot of parents want to put their kids in the box because, because uh, I don't know if it's generational, you know, like my parents' generation they all worked in the same, or my grandparents, they worked in the same company for 50 years. Yeah. Right. And so then my parents come sort of from that perspective as well. And I, and I think because of the technology that we have, you know, a lot of my kids and their friends, they have a different perspective of, you know, more sort of entrepreneurial and how are we going to, create something that that is aligned with who we are you know because i because i think that a lot of times unless you unless you have a passion for medicine or engineering or law you know the or banking you know finance that there are certain like few certain jobs that education kind of prepares you for you know because it's it's more like logical and linear um, but life is not linear. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> and I, and I think if, if people, if people really stepped back and said, you know what, everybody has their own journey that, that we would stop being so judgmental and critical of everybody's different way of getting to wherever they're going. Yeah. Including ourselves. Yeah. Yeah, that's a big one. Yeah, and I've and I've what I said to you earlier on, like with the guilt thing. I've I've said that on with on previous episodes. Like, mm-hmm. I needed to go through all those things mm-hmm. to be the person I am now to help who I'm going to help in the future. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's 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 it's, it's hard because it's sort of like allowing myself or loving myself enough now and for the things I've done and and now become. Mm-hmm. so that I can in, look at it with gratitude rather than any other the lower vibrations. Mm-hmm. And that's quite freeing when you can do that. Although I tend to slip in and out of being able to do that. Well, that's, that's our humanity. Yeah. That's our, <laughs> that's our humanity. But when we, you know, I, I, I'm really, I really believe that we all come to this earth and we have certain gifts and talents 
And, you know, we spend the majority of our, our youth, like at the very beginning, really expressing who we are. And, you know, nobody can say, don't do that because you're like, why not? This feels good to me, or I enjoy this or, you know, whatever. And so you have these experiences as a kid, this sort of freedom and autonomy until people try to fit you in the box, you know? And so you, and so then, as you know, you are in the, this rabbit hole of trying to fit in the box and have this routine of things that you should do because of your responsibilities. And now you're coming to coming. It's, it's basically like coming back to yourself. Yes. Like, like rediscovering your truth. Who am I really? Not all of these things that I do or I should do or I'm supposed to do, but what really drives me? What am I passionate about? How am I, how am I here to find my own sense of joy and fulfillment? Because I know that's a big word for you, yeah. fulfillment. And, and when I'm fulfilled, when I fill up my own cup, I'm so much more able to help others do the same thing. Yeah. You present differently in the world. I mean, there's this, there's times I feel full, the, the times that I feel fulfilled are when we've just done something as a family. Mm-hmm. And it's been a, you know, whether it's been a, a challenging or a learning experience or something where we've actually all got together and done it. Because mm-hmm. the other part of having a 14 year old son is he doesn't want to do everything that you want to do. <laughs> well, and especially when you have a seven year old son too. Yeah. 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 So, uh, uh, yeah. And vice like the other day we went snow, I took him up for a snowboarding lesson just to expose them to it. Uh-huh. And the, the eldest two loved it. The little one loved it and was really good. Uh-huh. But obviously he didn't have the stamina because he's, he's, he's on the big right. side. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. But he's only uh, seven. He's still like a baby. <laughs> Yeah, and he was pink by the end of it, but everyone else was, you know, I was running up and down the slope so I could have another go, but I mean, <laughs> but yeah, it works both ways, and uh, mm-hmm. the, the, so there's that one time, and the, the, the only other two times where I can really change my state and change my energy is podcasting, mm-hmm. this huge, like having these conversations with people, and I mean, it, it, I hope your guests who listen realize these conversations are deeper than any conversation you may have with somebody on the street. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't know, I, I know that's because it's, it's personal and we're, we're close and we, we know each other, but you, you will have conversations if you haven't already with people you hardly know. I have, I have, I've uh, spent my whole life doing this. That's why oh, podcasting yeah, yeah, is such right. a beautiful thing. Yeah. And you know, and then you, you got this wonderful connection with somebody that, you never realized was there mm-hmm. because we we're so shallow in our communication on a daily basis. People ask you all the time, uh, how are you? Fine. Yeah. Fine. Yeah. I think, I think Christina said fine. That's the, like the worst four letter word you could ever say. Fine. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. It's, yeah. Because it's, and, and as, as opposed to, I was just sitting in the corner crying for three hours. Would you really yeah. like me to talk about that? Because I can, because I really need somebody to talk to about that. I think, I think once you can present yourself in a way that you're happy with, and this is what I found since, since I've sort of put my stick in the ground and said, right, this is me. Mm-hmm. I've, and I, it's weird because I, I, I'm presenting myself as a coach to help people with this, like, you know, discontent from the stories we're telling ourselves. Mm-hmm. But now there's people that come up to me and they just start talking mm-hmm. and they, they tell me everything mm-hmm. and some stuff maybe I, I might not want to know. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And it's just like, okay, but isn't that weird? All I've done is say, well, actually, you know what? This is me. So on some level, they have picked up on that and they don't know me from, you know, some of them don't even know me and they just start telling me stuff. Mm-hmm but they're able to pick up on the fact that I'm open to listen. Mm-hmm. They are let them unburden. And they all, everyone says the same thing. Anyway, moan over. I'm like, fine, but you feel better. And they walk away smiling. Mm-hmm. No, well, we don't I, do that for each other. Yeah. I think, I think when you give yourself permission to do that for yourself, mm. that your energy changes 
so that because I have this happen to me all the time too, Joel. I mean, all the time. You know, people come up, they don't know me from anything. And, and by the end of the conversation, I basically know their whole life story. It's like, because I'm open and I'm accepting, I'm willing to listen. I have some compassion. I try to be understanding. It's like, you have to do those things for yourself. You know, yeah. I mean, I mean, in a, in a way, sometimes it's easier to do it for other people because you can sort of not take responsibility for your own stuff. But when you do your own deep inner work, you know how challenging it is and you know that it's a lifelong process. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, you know that like, I, I wanted support. I mean, I, I think I've talked about this in, in the podcast group that, you know, there were hundreds of times I cried to my friends, to my family, to my colleagues, I'd go to work and I'd start telling the story and I would just bawl because I, I just wanted to be heard because I wasn't being heard at home. Yeah. You know, and, and I think, I think when you create that like safe container for people, what a gift, because a lot of people don't have anyone to, to share that with. Yeah. And so they walk through life feeling like invisible, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. It's tragic. It is tragic. I mean, I, I kind of encourage any of your listeners if they're on a, in their going about their office business or whatever, and they can see somebody that's a little bit quiet, or maybe they've got an inkling that something's not quite right. Mm -hmm. Just go up and, and ask. Like I did this three months ago. There's a fella I've always seen every day. He walks down and he sort of scuffs his heels as he walks. Mm. He's, he's walking with his head down and he's always mm -hmm. hands in his pockets. Mm -hmm. It just looks like he's got a weight of the world on his shoulders. Mm -hmm. And I've never spoken to him. I just went out and I said, uh, I said, I introduced myself. I, I am it. So I'm Joe. I said, just checking in. I said, is everything okay? But I was there for about 45 minutes. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Uh, You're probably the only person that's ever asked him, is he okay? I'm, 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 guess, I'm guessing so. Asked, that itself is just like so sad. Mm -hmm. you know? And then what we tend to do is... Uh, I noticed uh, there was a there was a, a guy in work who one who'd lost his wife and there was another one suffering. His wife was suffering with cancer, mm. with cancer. But everyone's like, oh, you know, we don't really know what to say. We don't know what to go and acknowledge it. Let him know you're there. Do you know what I mean? Don't conform. It's the, it's, it's the elephant in the room. Everyone yeah, knows exactly. about it. <laughs> yeah. Don't yeah, pretend it's not happening because it's happening. <laughs> yeah, and it, and when we do that. We're allowing that situation to perpetuate. Uh -huh. It never gets dealt with because we're not willing to redefine what we are about as a society and the uh -huh. way that we want to operate. Uh -huh. So I will make, even if I make myself look stupid, I don't care. Yeah. Because I'm giving that person a chance. If they tell me to F off, then fine. Yeah. That's They're not okay. open to talking. Yeah. That's, that's okay. But at least you are offering your love and your heart. Like I see you suffering. I see that you're hurting and mm. I just want to acknowledge, I just want to acknowledge you, Yeah. you know, whether or not you want to reach back out. I'm just like extend, extending myself to say, you're not alone. Yeah. And, and, and that's sometimes what I end up saying is that, look, I'm not saying that I know we're not best mates, but you don't, you don't go for pints. But I just want you to know I'm in here if you ever need one mm. and I, and I'm over there. Mm -hmm. And they all say, yeah, they all say, thank you. Nobody's mm -hmm. ever come back and been really negative or aggressive. Mm -hmm. It's just a little acknowledgement. It's always like, okay. Mm -hmm. Then I, I sometimes want, wish I could not not force them to chat, but wish they could. I could help them take the next step. Right. After acknowledging it. Right. You know I mean, because I, I, like you say, when you've been through pain, you see others in pain. Mm -hmm. And that is what it, I'm all, you know, that's, that's part of my thing is I want to help people. Yeah. I, I, the only reason I knew where to turn and the only reason I knew I, what I had to fix was in my head was because of something I was exposed to when I was in 99, where I was going to do an NLP course. Mm -hmm. And I sort of, I dug into it in 99, but it took me until 2015 to dig back into it. Because you only do it when you're ready. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And I was not ready then. I was so not ready. Then. 
Mm-hmm. But, but yeah, it's, it's it's been a winding path. I mean, from there, I, what do we do after that? So yeah, so 99 was NLP. Uh, about 2006, I think we did a spiritual a spiritual course, me and my wife. Mm. Then we went into Reiki, Indian head massage, uh, metamorphic yeah, technique. You, you did that together. Yeah, yeah. Um, the only one we split on was my wife did hypnotherapy, uh-huh. and, I, and I did metamorphic technique because we were looking at opening a, a holistic like a, practice. Uh-huh. Um, but this was in 2008 when mm-hmm. the, the slump happened. And it just, to be honest, we, we didn't have a clue what we were doing. We were just like, we had the training. We were just trying to get it out there, you know. But how, uh, how did those how did those affect your relationship with your wife? Oh, good, definitely. I mean, I'm glad. I'm so glad we did it together because um, mm-hmm. we went all the way up to, you know, Reiki Master with the training. That that was very enlightening. Mm-hmm. As was the spiritual course. That that, that was nuts. <laughs> well, but, what did you learn? Um, so on the spiritual course, we did something called psychometry. Wait, some, so, some what? Like, psychometry. I think okay. that's what it's called. So if I, basically she, she brought out a tray and she, everybody put an item from their person on the tray, uh-huh. but it, it was then covered up. So nobody knew what they put on the tray. Uh-huh. So you didn't know who it come from. Uh-huh. And then you slip your hand and take a piece and then you'd sort of open up your chakras and then you just start writing. You'd have a pad and pen in front of you and you're just staying present, but like sort of, so like, meditation being present but also just seeing what comes up in your mind mm-hmm. and i had all these sorts of different things pop up i had I can remember now i had um there was an there was an old house with a fireplace in the corner and i and i described it and then there was and then there was a crossroads and then there was remember the, the old washing mangles mm-hmm. uh yeah so that yeah what crossroads then the washing mangles and then there was you familiar? You familiar with rugby? Mm-hmm. So it was a, a second row. You jumped up in the air. So he was in a line out. Second row was was jumping, and this boy's really stood out. Tall fella, blonde hair, you know, yellow top on. And uh, so that 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 was my take on this person's object. So you're completely intuitive. Well. <laughs> <laughs> Aspects but you always. didn't. You didn't know. It. <laughs> no. Yeah. And, and but I mean, all of us did in the course. Uh. And when I actually read it back, I said, I, "I've got this." And I had to sort of point the direction I thought it was coming from. I didn't get a lady right. But I said, and I started to tell the story from the pictures that I was getting. Uh-huh. And then she put it all together. She said, "Oh yeah, that's our old house, the one you just described." She said, "The crossroads." Um, so the sorry the mango first then the crossroads the mango was i went through an experience which really put me through the ringer mm. uh, which then meant i reached a crossroads in my life um but this was all to do with a loss of her son mm. and that was the second mm. wow. row he used to play second row my blonde hair and the, wow. the kit was yellow <laughs> probably the lady taught that to us you know as well as auras and everything else did that trip you out that that's that, well for me to remember it that feels so fresh. Yeah. But, and then I've done other stuff since, and it's still we, we, we're so connected, Don, on a level we can't even comprehend. Yeah. You know, even just like what I do last year, I think it was, I went to a local class, and I sat opposite a lady, and I had to tell her, and that that was the test was just tune in. I don't think we actually touched each other. We just sat opposite each other. And I started to say, oh, man, there's this guy uh, who's done this. I said, watch him, the one with the tattoos on his arm, blah, blah, blah. He said he's a bit of a firework. like." And then it was something else. And uh, and told her this story again. And she went, you, you, you know, you bang on. She said, the, the guy with the tattoos was my ex-husband. Mm-hmm. I left him because he was a firecracker. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? And he just think. Though it's not that you're looking to, to brag about these things, but like the fact that you're that connected to somebody yeah. without touching them. Yeah. What does that mean? That's what blows my mind. It means we're all connected. <laughs> it means we're all connected. Yeah, we, 
we don't act as if we're all connected. No, that's because that's, that's the part that people have forgotten. You know, yeah. that's, that's, that is the same as rediscovering your truth. Mm. When you yeah. rediscover your truth, then you see all of the parts of the puzzle. You know, like I, I feel like there, this whole world and this whole life is we're interlocking puzzle pieces and we don't know how we all fit together. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a good analogy. I like that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you say about finding yourself. I mean, I don't think I've mentioned that anywhere else. Mm. And being able to express it without fear of judgment mm-hmm. or people saying oh, it's woo-woo or whatever. I don't, you know, fine. If you think it's woo-woo, fine. Mm-hmm. It's just because it's, you haven't woken up to your own woo-woo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, you know, each their own, isn't it, you know? That's what I, you know, I, I don't want to put my judgments on anyone else. So, I, I, you know, yeah. So it feels good to be able to say that because that's just another aspect of me being me. Uh-huh. Have you said that? that? Have you said you've never said that anywhere else? I don't think I have, no. Just with your wife? My, say my wife knows. Yeah. And I, you know, I only said to her the other day, I said, what if like the biggest thing that's holding me back about what I do is when, when we went into this <clears throat> uh, homeopathic sort of, I wanted to live in this magical spiritual world. Mm-hmm. where everyone treated each other right with, with, all love. Yeah. with love and what I realized quite quickly is that is not necessarily the case there's still mean people in both sides of the world mm-hmm. and I couldn't live 100% in the spiritual world because the money to pay for the mortgage and the food wasn't there at that time for me do you know what I mean because that's, that's separating it though Joel yeah, <clears throat> it was then. Mm-hmm. And it's also very lim- limiting. Mm-hmm. My, my belief around that is very limiting. Yep. yep. Or I couldn't see a way through it then. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But being able to express that now without fear, or, mm-hmm. and it's not fear of what anyone's going to say, but it's more fear of will I be pushing people away from me? because they know more about me. Like, you know, is that element of knowing that about me enough to put people off? Well, it it could well be, but it could well be not too. Well, it, it could well be, it could well be pushing some people away who are not resonating with you, but it could be opening floodgates of other people who resonate with you to come in. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So yeah, I felt good to say that. Welcome to Woo Woo. <laughs> that sounds like a podcast name. <laughs> Maybe I should change the name. <laughs> oh, this is like honoring your truth. Yeah. Yeah. That's what made me think of it. As, yeah. Find, coming back to who you are. Yeah. Because we all, we all have aspects of ourselves that we think we have to hide because the outside world, we're afraid of being judged by the outside world. Yeah. But I mean, after, after we finish this podcast, I'll tell you some stories, you know, of how my life has opened up and I have had so many synchronistic things happen because I have opened myself up and the way that I just that I just talked about, you know, this is, this is, um, this is big. (laughs) This is big because it, because when you own yourself fully, you know, it's, it's that giving you give yourself permission to be who you are. And then you're able to do that for Haley. You're able to do that for your children. You're able to do that for your mates, whether or not they want to, whether or not they choose to, because you know, life is all about the choices that you make. Yeah. And so I go back to that statement that you said, you know, is the person I am congruent with the person that I want to be. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. So you said that. 
said that, not me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm going to write that down. <laughs> you don't remember you said it, huh? <laughs> I, I, it's just funny, isn't it? Because it depends on your, your state of mind. Like that, that word, yeah, congruent. I, I don't even know what it's. It's a math of... term. It's a math term. My mom was a math teacher. So. Oh, is it? <laughs> yeah. But I've, I've heard it in like mastermind circles and, yeah. and, and people use it. Yeah. But it's, yeah, it was, it opened my eyes to lots of different things. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's a word I often use and I, and I, and I try to keep it centered. Mm-hmm on it like you say it's you're human mm-hmm. yeah and i i say i in another word i use for congruent i also say aligned aligned yes. with yeah when i when i when we're talking about goals and stuff we use these are we are we aligned with where we're headed yeah, yeah. so yeah wow so um this w- took an interesting circular <laughs> <laughs> This was not a linear conversation, was it? <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> it's been good. Good. Okay, so I'm going to I'm going to ask you the last question cuz we're already over an hour. No worries. <laughs> um, but my my question that I love to ask because this is the Wake Up to Real Love podcast um, is how do you define real love? Real love. Oh, that's a good one. Hmm. Good question, Dawn. Okay, um, real love. Define. Okay, so for me, real love would be prioritizing myself in a way that allows me to prioritize my f- family next. Because mm-hmm. I need to love me and show myself love so that I can then, you know, that cup half half empty thing, you know? Mm -hmm. So that's what, yeah, for me. And that's, that's a lot to say that because there's still, there's still a little bit acid with regards to like sounding selfish, Mm -hmm. but yeah. But I, I also listened to something the other day where somebody said the most selfless, the most selfish thing you can do. If we're all, if we're all connected, and you love yourself, you raise the people up around you. Mm-hmm. So the most selfish thing you can do, or sell, the reverse of being selfish, is to not love yourself. Mm-hmm. Because then nobody else gets lifted. Mm-hmm. And I was in, yeah. I'll have to send you that book. You like that one. Okay. I might have already listened to it. <laughs> No, because I, I try to reframe self. Well, there's a difference between being selfish and not having any regard for people around you versus self-care. Yeah. You know, yeah, that, yeah, yeah. I need, that I need to take care. Taking care of my self-care is not selfish. No. Self-care is helping me show up in my full authenticity. So that, you know, I, I mean, because I think that I, if, when you take care of yourself, you can more easily take care of others Yeah. from a, from a loving place, from a full place, like you were talking about, you know, it's like taking, um, like you're an ATM and you're, you're giving deposits and I, and I use this in a partnership. You know, if you're, if your partner is constantly taking withdrawals out of your own ATM and never depositing in your account that leaves you depleted, you know, and, and you do that. You can do that to yourself too. If I'm constantly taking and I'm never giving to myself, uh, I'm empty. My, my account's going to run dry or filling up the gas tank, similar concept. You know, if I'm not filling up the gas tank, then I'm running on empty and that's no good for anybody. No, absolutely not. And see that, I think that's the biggest one. That was probably the start of it. Mm-hmm. Is understanding the aspect of living yourself yeah so that you can then be more full in your love for others because mm-hmm. all, all the resentment bitterness mm-hmm. can seep away then yeah beautiful conversation joel ingram 
I thoroughly enjoyed it, Dawn. Thank you very much. I knew it would be. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, you uh, on me. <laughs> no, I asked you some good questions. I asked. <laughs> we got some good stuff. No, you did. You did. I tell you what, is it, that's the. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff that's come up that's never been said before. Mm. So. Yeah, well, I'm glad. I'm glad that you felt safe enough to express it. I yeah. appreciate that. Always. You've and got that I, energy. And I honor and I honor you for that. <laughs> Thank you, Tom. Yeah. All right. So if people want to find you, Joel, and find out more about your work, if they would be interested in working with you, how can people get a hold of you? Okay, so uh please go and check out Crisis to Crushing It, um, my podcast. Lots of great episodes. <laughs> and then there's uh, the midlifecrisisman.com, which is the website. Okay. Or if you want a more personal site, uh, on Instagram, it's Joel 36 Ingram and same on Facebook. Okay. Okay. So yes, Joel, uh, work with Joel people. <laughs> he will help take you from one side to the other <laughs> so that you can fill up your cup, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Help you fill up your, yeah. Help you fill up your cup so that you can live a more fulfilling life. Yes. Um, and so for, for me, from, from my part, uh, if you like what you heard today, which I can't imagine anyone not, <laughs> um, please subscribe to the Wake Up to Real Love podcast and share with all of your friends all over the world because we want to create this more of this sense of connection and this sense of, you know, both giving and receiving real love in our lives. Um, so if you, if you would like more help in finding more connection, expansion, fulfillment, um, and authenticity in, within yourself and in your relationships, you can find me at, uh, on Facebook and Instagram at the awakening with Dawn and, uh, you know, feel free to send me a message and I'd be honored to help you find and create more real love in your life. And how I end every podcast, Joel is basically what we've been talking about that the most important relationship you'll ever have is the one you have with yourself so that you can be the kind of partner that you want to have so that you can be the kind of father that you want to be so that you can be the kind of colleague that you want to be so that you can be the kind of mate, you know, that you want to have. Um, it all, it all starts with you. Right. Mm. So thank you so much for being here, Joel. You're an amazing, amazing man. And um, you're welcome to come on any, anytime. Thank, thank you. you I want to thank you as well, because uh, this message is important. And the more people that are voicing it, the more chance it gets heard. Yeah. The more change we get to make. Yeah. Yep. So, yeah. I'm thank you. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Thank you, listeners. And as always, um, every day, wake up to more real love. And we'll see you next time. Take care.